Welcome to Distill, a photography podcast. I'm your host, Matt Keogh. On our first episode today, we're going to be talking to Ian Shriver. He's had plenty of clientele that you would recognize, uh, including Adidas, Kodak, Polaroid, Playboy, Bloomberg, Anthropology. The list goes on. Uh, we're going to be just talking to him about his work uh, right now during COVID. Dive into a little bit about what inspires him, what other mediums he uses, um, just stick around for the talk. Should be pretty interesting. Maybe check out his work while you're listening to the podcast, um, just so you have a better understanding of what he's saying and what he's describing. I actually heard about him a couple weeks ago. My girlfriend was working on a project, looking at some different websites. Came across one of his photos of a sandwich. It was a great photo of a sandwich. Really made me want to eat the sandwich. Um, but I was super intrigued by just the composition and uh, overall just style um, that I saw on that sandwich photo. And definitely goes throughout all of his work. It's very distinct and enjoy. I guess like just get started, see what happens. But um, yeah, man, I mean, here if, for it. If you could like, I don't know, like for me, like the first time that I remember like holding a camera it was like when I was like really young, like my parents bought this little Kodak disposable camera that I could take on like my preschool trip to the zoo. And yeah. so I have those pictures somewhere, but I like, like that's the first moment that I remember like holding a camera and being like, oh man, this could be so sick. Do you have like any moments like that? Or like furthest back you can remember like ever like holding a camera, like seeing one and being- Oh man. You know, now that you've said this, I have probably not thought about this in like 20 years, but I, I'm now remembering what my mom's camera strap looked like on like the Nikon F that she had when I was like a child. Like I can't, I couldn't describe the like pattern of it, but I can like see it in my head, which is really strange. Wow. But I didn't really have a moment like that. Me getting into photography was just sort of like backwards falling down a hill. You know, it just sort of like kept happening in different ways. I think before I even took photos, my cousin, um, who's like my best friend in the world, got me a like photography assistant job. And just because I was, I don't know, I, I must have been a teenager or something. And it was like a summer job. It was this guy who like mostly photographed like events. And like looking back, he was like really terrible. Uh, and he hit on my mom on that website, JDate, the like Jewish dating site. Oh my God. <laughs> uh that was my first photo experience <laughs> right, yeah. like working for this like creepy guy yeah. um uh i i picked up a camera um when you know like i, I think again inspired by my cousin who's like i think like has always been a photographer you know like i think had one of those experiences really young like you did it and like he had that thing where it's just like he was just like I just know this is me and I'm always going to 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 like be this guy in some way or another um and um he kind of was always pushing me towards it in in different ways for for whatever reason and at some point like I I think I got a camera like the same camera that he had or something and I just started shooting punk shows um, I, I moved a lot around a lot when I was younger. And, and one of the ways that I found that I could make friends when I like moved to a new town um, uh, was to was to start just like 
photographing like local bands and yeah. then just like, you know, sending them the photos and be like, Hey, what's up? I just moved here, you know? And like, just like having this way of like interacting with, with people in, in a new space and like trying to like build a community, um, which is what I was just sort of like always looking for because it was like something that I'd left behind. So photography was like an interesting way to, to do that. Some of the, the people that I shot just ended up becoming lifelong friends. Okay. Uh, and then actually accidentally started shooting weddings, uh, which is really funny. Um, I like was living in Pittsburgh in this town called Braddock and I met a photographer in a coffee shop and he was like an evangelist Christian, uh, like was like in the army as well. And he did wedding photography on the side, but was like the most positive, like I have nothing in common with this guy, literally whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, we like met randomly in this coffee shop, started talking about photo and he just ended up becoming like the warmest, nicest person I've ever met in my life. And was just like, Hey, I need an assistant. Do you want to work for me? Like, I know that you take photos, whatever. And just like, was so inviting and like work traded me my first camera and just like kind of was like so open and just taught me everything. Yeah. Um, and in like this, like really unpretentious way that I wasn't used to. And so that's sort of how I started like taking pictures for money. And then when I moved to, to Philly, I, I needed a job and I was just like completely broke. And my cousin again, uh, was like, Hey, I can probably get you a photo assisting job. Like, you know, I'll hit up our friend, George, who's like a friend from years ago. And he was just shooting like, like e-commerce, uh, product in New York. And so George was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, and so I started taking the 5:45 a.m. mega bus, uh, which uh, I guess if you're from Arizona, you don't know what that means. But it's basically just like it's the shitty like $10 bus that goes like direct city to city. So it's like an hour and a half bus from Philly to New York. Yeah. Um, and I started just doing that like every day when I wasn't like in school or like doing you know in pretty much any day that I could that he was he was working. I would just say yes to any job. So I'd like leave at 5:45 not get back to like 7 30 and then sometimes would do that again or like sleep on like my cousin or a friend's couch in new york um and go up and do that then she started working for this guy travis rathbone and a couple other people were just like really big still life photographers but it was entirely like accidental i didn't really seek them out it was just like friends of friends or like oh hey this guy needs needs someone to work for um someone to assist them and I didn't know anything about still life at the time at all. Like I didn't know it existed before I like walked into that studio where George was shooting like clothes on white. Like I, I had never thought before like, oh, like those billboards of like alcohol ads, like people actually shoot them. And then I found myself working for one of those guys who, who shot those things that were like super huge. And the time I was doing a ton of um, national editorial. So I was like getting exposed to all these magazines and sort of seeing like the editorial side and the commercial side um, of product photography at the same time. And it like was almost like so overwhelming and I didn't really care about it at first, but it kind of just like creeped into my brain. Um, and then eventually like, you know, my, my roommate back in Philly moved in with his girlfriend. So I had a second bedroom and I was like, well, maybe I'll try turning this into a studio or an office or something. Yeah. And I started shooting and it kind of just happened. Like one of those things where like the right people followed me on Instagram and I was taking the right kinds of photos at the right time, I guess. Like I definitely was not like particularly good when I started, but was, was given opportunities, I think, just because it just happened, it happened to work out. Yeah. And then I'm just the kind of person who just doesn't stop and like, you know, doesn't stop working. So I just started making work constantly. And it's, it's been like 
not necessarily linear, but like pretty like growing strongly since the beginning. Yeah, that's interesting. So like when you were taking like $10 bus, like straight to New York, like were you doing like all these jobs, like all those days, like putting in that work, like because you were like genuinely like interested in like what you were producing with this guy or like, was it more of like, this is like the job that I need to do in order to like make money? You know, sometimes both, uh, sometimes one or the other. It was this kind of thing where like, I, I was actually a really terrible photo assistant. Like Travis still reminds me about the time, like the multiple times that I like found a corner and fell asleep during a job just because I was so tired from coming from Philly all the time. I was like trying to just do an impossible thing. Yeah. Um, but so it's like, there are these days where like, sometimes it would be the most boring job in the world. And he'd just be like, yeah, just photographing something on white. And he didn't really need me other than like, just like setting some stuff up. And I would just be so bored and on my phone all day or whatever. And I was just like, cool, I'm making money. I need money. Yeah, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And then there are other days where we would just be like setting stuff on fire or like just like doing something like really strange or like just freezing liquid or like something that was just like, I like had no concept that this existed. And it was like learning new skills, I think, and like learning like about something new that was actually more interesting to me than the photography itself. What's like the first like client or first like paid job that you were like, this is crazy. Like, you know, like, this is like, this is my big break. Like, this is going to be like insane. <laughs> uh, you know, early on, it was doing social media for Kodak. Um, they like, they released like these, all these consumer level, like, you know, uh, different instant cameras. Yeah. Like and like, I, yeah, just like one, like one of the insect cameras, basically. So I, I had the, I can't even remember what it's called now. It was like, it was such a shitty product. Um, and for a long time, I had the account where every month I had to produce like, oh God, looking back, it was terrible. But like, I had to make like 25 images per month. Like, you know, like, but like in a day, I would just like make 25 images of like putting the camera down. And I was like, holy shit, I shot for Kodak. You know, I shot for product. This is so cool. Um. And that one ultimately led nowhere. <laughs> uh, and it was not, not my break. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've done that yet. You know, I, I don't know if I've like, like hit that thing where I'm just like, this is it. Um, I, I have some things that I've done that I really love and I'm really proud of. And I think like just sort of like maybe just transcend what my normal job is. And, and one of those was shooting for Playboy, um, which, which I thought was interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, one was because they they found me through Instagram, I think, which is just a crazy thing to, yeah. to happen. And I know that like a lot of companies do that and, you know, it, it happens all the time. But for someone like Playboy to like find me, I was just like, and and want to work with me. Yeah. Um, I was like, holy, holy shit, that's incredible. And And to me, like the legacy of a company like that, like it, just transcends most magazines you know like most stuff is just like whatever you look at it you throw it away but like that's one of the the few magazines in the world that people actually collect for sure and 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 like it, it just felt like I was actually part of a, a history of something um and and I was photographing weed for it too um which was just also an interesting opportunity and like a thing that I don't think that they had done before um so it's just like a lot of cool stuff sort of culminating um so that's definitely one of my like prouder moments from was that this year or last year i can't even remember anymore i don't even know what year it is to be honest yeah um but that that was a huge one for me i think just in terms of like 
feeling like a little bit less of like the imposter syndrome and feeling like, okay, for sure. Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm like a guy who takes pictures for a living. Okay. Yeah. So like, you're obviously known for like your like studio stuff. Like that's like what people pay you to do. But is there like another side of like your photography where it's more personal stuff or like, do you like have like personal works that like you're like pursuing right now is photography right now, the paid stuff, you know, like the client work. It's a great question. Um, I, you know, there's, there's the stuff that outside of mostly it's commercial work, you know, and part of that is just from being so busy. And then when I'm not doing that, I sort of need to disconnect from photography a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I am about to release a book of some of my work that is like, it's like people and in situation stuff and like travel photography, just completely different worlds of stuff. Um, and, and in general, I, I try as much as I can to, to work on things that are outside of um, commercial stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that's been helping to motivate me is collaborating with other people, like with other artists who do a similar thing or have a specialty that's just completely outside of, of mine. Um, and one of those things right now is I have a friend named Kit and he is like, I call him my forest friend. He's just like one of those guys who can like walk into the woods and like knows every plant that you can eat and which ones are poisonous and like, you know, can like spot a mushroom from half a mile away. Um, And it started out with him just like taking me uh, foraging during, during ramp season uh, and like me just being sort of interested in mushrooms and like, you know, part of it, just me wanting to get out of my studio uh, at any time that I could. Uh, And then he started coming to my studio and photographing plants with me. And, and we've been doing this, this ongoing series that at the moment is completely disjointed, but just like trying every different idea with these like native plants. So he'll like wake up in the morning and go into the woods and find things and then drive to my studio and work with me. Um, and so it's almost no plan. And I think eventually I'd really like for it to turn into a book and, and to have it have a direction. But I've been really liking just exploring things with almost absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and in the process, he's learning studio photography because he's like an outdoor and like film photographer. Um, so, and, and he's teaching me about these plants in the process. So it's been like this really wonderful collaboration. That's been like, a like kind of Zen for me. Um, another thing that I'm doing is, uh, I haven't talked about this at all, actually, like nobody knows about this, but I, I've like started trying to make sculptures and to cast things in resin. and I've just been like wanting to, I don't know if it's an extension of my photography or like the longer that I do this, i just want to be, you know, like realizing that you can be creative in different ways. Like once it opens up, the path just sort of like expands more and more. And you're able to like ask like, what if in all these different forms? And I just, I, for some reason, it's in my head that like sculpture is a natural extension of the type of photography that I do. Yeah. Um, and just like wanting to build things with fruit and resin and just like make things, you know, like a single object out of a completely different material that's unexpected. And some of it could be shoot props, but mostly, again, it's just like no practical application is wanting to make things. That's cool. um, And yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, how did that, how did that start the, doing like the, the molds and stuff and like the sculpture? 
um, again, a collaboration where I have some friends who are ceramicists um, right. and I've shot some stuff for them. And mostly we've just like hung out. We've talked about ideas for the future. Um, and one day we were just sitting around and, and one of them just asked me, you know, similarly, just like, you know, like, what else do you want to do? And I was just like, I don't know, for some reason, I kind of want to make sculptures. And they're like, we have a studio where you, where you can make literally anything. We know how to produce anything. Just show up. And I was like, oh, okay. And I then I did it. <laughs> I just came the next day and I had like an object that I wanted to cast and in, into resin. And, you know, I just started going from there. And I've been like obsessed with doing it. Wow. That's cool. I, I would be interested to see. So you said that you've used some of the stuff as props and some of the uh, some of your work, or I I'm I'm planning to I, I think like I I think it's cool to just be able to cast things like in you know like things that in resin which is basically like glass I use a lot of glass and stuff but yeah. it's just slightly different material and being able to make anything like in that shape you know and I don't know I mean so much of what I do is world building and like that's what I really like it's just creating this entirely this entire visual narrative from scratch so i think like being able to introduce my own like you know not props that already exist but like like just making something from scratch and bring that into the world is like maybe the next level of that yeah so like on your, your stuff like right now you know you're like world building that's like an interesting term if you have an idea for stuff like where do you get those props from like where do you get you know like the glass that you use or like the bottles like I don't know. Sometimes you, it's like pretty elaborate and like, there's like, <laughs> stuff. like, where do you like, do you go to like thrift stores? Do you go to like companies pay for the stuff? How do you find it? Um, it's all of those things. Um, it's working with other prop stylists who will bring things to my studio. Like they'll buy something for a commercial job. And a lot of times, like if we have something really weird, they're just going shopping at thrift stores and just being like, maybe we can use this random costume jewelry or something. And then the shoots paid for it. So I just keep it. Um, and then I just start hoarding stuff. I, my studio has a, has a full basement that's slowly turning into a prop house with shelves. Um, but you know, that style actually started out because my first studio was the second bedroom, of my apartment and yeah. either me, like I, I've just always been like, I don't know. I, I like to have a nice apartment and like, I like to have like, you know, interesting stuff, I guess. And, um, when I started having clients actually come to my apartment, I was basically like, okay, I need to make this place look more like a studio in, in an apartment where I live. So it was pretty much a studio that just had a closed door to a bedroom in it at that point where, where I slept, but like the living room didn't have a TV. Instead it had like couches and chairs facing each other. And I basically just sort of propped out the whole place to try to make it interesting and was collecting things in, in a way it was just trying to curate a space that was like comfortable, but not, like co commercial enough that I could just have it be passable that companies would like send someone. It, it always felt like I was a little bit convincing them anyway. Um, but I don't know, Philly's a little bit like grungy and DIY. So I could get away with that at the beginning. Um, but people, clients would literally just walk around my apartment and grab stuff and be like, this is cool. Can we use this? And I'd be like, uh, I, I guess until like half of my apartment would be in the studio and then I'd have to just put it all back at the end of each day. And like the style was entirely born out of that. 
like these are the objects that I have around already. And like, these are my sensibilities. And some of it was just like having a lot of dried flowers around and just like, yeah, random colorful art objects, books, just things that I collected or thought were interesting. And they just kept getting pulled in and then people would bring stuff and leave it. And then that would actually get filtered into the apartment. Nice. And yeah, and that's where it came from. Just grabbing all these random objects and just being attracted to color and figuring out ways to put them into a situation that told some sort of story, whether it was simply like they were architectural elements, just interesting, weird stuff that had nothing to do with each other or it was color-based, you know? Um, yeah, and then what was your question again? <laughs> um. I, I guess you mentioned books. So I see all these books behind you on this on this shelf. Yeah. Um, if you were to pick like one book, let's see like one book that's been really influential for your photography, maybe. Like oh, one no. <laughs> like um just in general or something. Okay, I don't think that one's on this shelf. Hold on one second. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, I grabbed more than one. Dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is just how it's going to be. Um, I, you know, early on, I was kind of influenced by some of my friends. You know, I, I made some friends through through punk um, and that world who just ended up being uh, really wonderful photographers. Uh, one of them um, is a guy named Brian Kanagaki. Um, and uh, his, his, this book, it's called Golden Persimmons 2. Uh, I think the original one is over at my studio, but his first book was really interesting and influential to me because he's not exactly, he's not really a still life photographer. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, what the best way to show this, uh, he, he, he shoots a, like people and like, and a lot of outdoor spaces, but he did this book that's just that's still life photography nice. um, that I love. Um, and because his sensibilities are so different, um, the result is really interesting. Yeah. And so he is, I think, one of the people who, in the back of my head, is constantly kind of uh, pushing me to look. Uh, at at things in a different way and trying to approach things in a way that are like mm. less commercial um, yeah. all the time. Um, so that's, he's influential. Um, I got this book kind of early on that this guy, Daniel Shea, um, and oh shit, Brian Kanagaki's in it too. Uh, it's called This is the Same Ocean. Um, it is a, uh, it's this like, wonderful book that's printed uh through risograph um and you know what a rizzo is it's this really antiquated machine that like like very few of them exist um someone else could describe better exactly what it is but it's kind of like an automated screen printer so um trying to find a photo that will like do this justice um so if you look at like this photo, there's basically only three colors in it. Um, and 
the the reason for that is like Rizzo's print, like a screen printer, they print one color at a time. And it's basically this giant drum that just like rolls across it, like rolls color across it. And I think you can do like maybe up to four colors on some of like the, the fancier ones. Um, so it's just this really interesting way of printing that's somewhere between screen printing and photocopying. Um, and the results are just really weird. Um, so yeah, this is the same motion as a book I love. And then one of my favorite photographers is this guy, Alex Soth, um, who is not a still life photographer. He's, he's a Magnum photographer who is, uh, is very famous for his photographs of, of people in the, like a lot of times in their spaces. Yeah. And I have this book, uh, that's actually a set of mini books uh, of like all of his work. I like that. Like just all of his best books that are very hard to get in, in tiny form. Oh shoot. Um, and then, which also comes with, uh, a set of prints, um, a set of these square prints that are all really wonderful. Sweet. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to say like, is there one book? Because I feel like, you know, I consume so much photography all of the time, but I think it is actually key for me that I say that books themselves are really influential and like art books. Like I, I just obsessively collect them. I, I buy as many as I can possibly justify paying for. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, like, I think like the fact that I'm, I'm getting these knowledge, like, I think experiencing pho photography in a book is, is so much, so much different than experiencing it like on the internet. And so I try to derive as much of my influence as I can from like, not on the internet and from, from books. But yeah. to me, it's like one of those things that is always a good investment, always worth having around. Yeah. You know, I've never, I've never bought a photo book that I didn't like or get something out of. Yeah. You know? um, but I don't know. But you said that you're, planning on releasing a photo book that has some of your works? Yeah. Um, I started uh, publishing art books before I was even really doing any commercial photography. Um, like around 2013, uh, a friend of mine who uh, did like some like illustrations and poetry yeah. we were we were inspired by like a a small press actually from like a hardcore band that we that we really liked uh called heartworm and just started releasing uh releasing books together of like some of it's just started out with his poetry and then like moving on to some of our friends who just did like 35 millimeter photography and drawings and and things like that um uh and kind of just like uh reaching into my friend group and trying to tell the stories of my friend's art as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was called little death press. And I did that with him for a while and then he moved out of town and I continued it, but ultimately like work was kind of getting in the way. And, and in that time, like I became much deeper into the like art photography world than I was at the time. And so I wanted to like, I guess like recreate the press as something that felt like more modern and more like, like me, I guess, and something that felt like was really in my voice. Yeah. Um, so I have started this press called IOTA editions. Yes. Um, and it is, it's, it's the same thing, you know, it's a vehicle for, uh, publishing, uh, photography books for other people as well as stuff for myself. 
Um, yeah. And the first project of it is called Draft. Um, and the idea of Draft is that like we, uh, well, I'll show you actually, I have it here. Not that this helps with the podcast, but if you're curious, <laughs> I'll show you. Curious. <laughs> um, so this, this is the, the first uh, book of it. Um, and okay. I guess the idea is to, is to think about photography as a practice. And there are so many things that we, that I shoot that, you know, like you're asking me about are like, not just the thing that I'm known for. And I think by nature of being a creative person, you have these other outlets and draft is, is an idea to show that. So like if someone is a commercial photographer, I want to get them to do uh, an edition of it that is like work that looks nothing like their work. You know, it could just be snapshots from their phone or something like that or pictures of their friends. Um, but because like it's through the lens of this this person, to me, it's interesting. Um, and so that's what it is. And, and I started with with myself uh, doing one. Uh, which which I feel weird about because the idea really is that it's supposed to be other people. Um, mm -hmm. But I wanted to sort of, since it's a little bit of a different idea, I want to show people an example of it, be able to send this to to the photographers I want to work with and say, hey, I really want you to do one of these. And like, here is the whole idea. Yeah. Um, and so that should be releasing in January along with, um, I believe, like, I believe a shirt uh, in collaboration with my friends, all cap studio, uh, who, uh, design really wonderful streetwear. So like in terms of this process, I guess like for the future books that you, you release with other photographers, well, like, what is like your role, like in doing this? Like, are you designing it? Like, are you helping like figure out the diptychs and like everything like that? Or like, yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> people in the, you know, in the past have come to me with varying forms of finished books you know like sometimes it's like I have these photos and sometimes it's like hey I pretty much laid everything out and I know the sequence of everything and here's what I want to say like yeah. do you want to publish it you know so it's like the the publishing role can be uh anywhere from I'm just paying for this book to be put out and then like launched through my site which doesn't happen as often yeah. um and it can be like me pitching an idea to someone and like maybe they haven't even taken the photos yet but i want you to do this or um or just coming to someone whose work i really love and and asking them to to be a part of something yeah. and then yeah so far um all the books have been you know designed by some originally me but most of my stuff has been designed by this guy nick massarelli recently uh who's who's a friend who's just a, a really great graphic designer um and, you know, I, I don't really have any business actually fit, like designing the books. I'm, I'm no good at graphic design. I'm actually terrible at it. Um, but we, I love to help sequencing photos. I love to help tell the story um, in, in that. So I, I try to be as like involved in it as I possibly can. And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, it's their work. But, you know, I, I, I guess I view myself as kind of art directing the book. I think I think this will probably be the last question, but kind of tying into that, like if you had like a couple like words of advice to anybody who does like product photography or just like anybody in like the creative realm, like what would your like tips be from Mr. Shire? Don't do what everybody else is doing. 
that's that's my first tip. Um, you know, like obviously when when people are starting, they're going to emulate the things that they see and they like because that's that's your visual reference point and that that makes sense. Um, but I just find too many people who start doing that and then they because people are constantly trying to make a career out of the thing that they're doing, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, this. I have had some success with this. So I'm going to continue doing this. And then, so, so I'm just constantly seeing this really derivative work all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what, what I mean is like always be flexible. I think that that's really important and like, don't be afraid as part of that. Don't be afraid to try something different that, you know, is scary and just continuing to learn and just viewing photography as a practice. You know, with, with product photography, at the end of the day, you're taking a picture of something that is for sale. You know, like you're you're taking a beautiful photo of something so that somebody will be attracted to it and purchase it. You know, it's like, so it can be this really commercial thing when you break it down and it kind of, it is inherently, but, you know there are ways to make it really interesting and just deviating away from the original purpose and just coming up with your own purpose and your own reasons for what it is and treating the product like it's any other object. Yeah. Um, I, I think those are, are important ways to, to sort of just, I don't know, just continue to get better and change and experiment. Sweet. Yeah. yeah and also stop looking at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I say that to everyone all the time, like delete Instagram, just, just do it. It's, yeah. it's horrible for, for like the commercial creative world. Yeah. Well, um, dude, thanks so much for like talking to me and the time difference or whatever, but, um, absolutely. My yeah. pleasure. It was sweet talking to you. Really love your work and everything. Um, yeah, of course. My, my pleasure, man. Anytime. All right, dude. Have a good day, man.